one of the things that's really tricky is just giving someone a list of values and saying, hey, circle all the values that, you know, represent you on the sheet, right? And so, which is how we kind of started was like, but a lot of folks don't know, some are aspirational, right? Like you want to be a certain way or you want to see yourself in a certain way. So we developed this activity called Your Values in Action. And we looked at where people were spending money because where you spend money is really a great way to see how your values are showing up. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. Today, we are going to help you find your tiny why because we have in the hot seat the woman who wrote the book on it. We also get into the pandemic and how it is similar to when midlife grabs us all by the collar. We're sitting down today with Chris Olson, the founder of My Founder Story, and we're talking about her recent book, Whyography, Building a Brand Fueled by Purpose. After a decade of working in broadcasting media, she pivoted, pivoted again. She founded a communication consultancy. Through this work and through those series of pivots, she discovered her own why to support women-owned businesses in confidently communicating their purpose and impact, setting them up for entrepreneur success. But we're also, in addition to talking about the book, we're, we're going to talk about what led to her writing a book over the pandemic. We also cover something a little unexpected today. We stumble upon how the pandemic is similar to her experience going through chemotherapy. Let's get into it. First, I want to introduce Chris Olson to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, April. I'm glad to be here. So Chris, before we we came online, we were sharing the similarities in our partners on their tendencies to be do-it-yourselfers. Is that a fair statement, Chris? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a fair statement for sure. We went back and forth on, do they have chickens? Do they make soap? Do they use a straight razor? So we were going back and forth on the things that they do, canning, gardening, all of those fun similarities. But Chris, I would love for us, we're going to get into your book and why you wrote it and who it's for. But first, I'd love for you to give us a little bit of backstory about about you? I'll start kind of back in the beginning. Um, I went to college for advertising design and my first job was in radio, which was a dream job to me. I, I wanted to work in advertising and got a job at my favorite radio station, uh, worked as a marketing director there. And throughout my time in radio, had an inkling that maybe it wasn't right for me. There were some situations that came up throughout my time where I was sort of like, hmm, I don't know if this is aligned with my values and kind of felt that tugging all along. But I stayed with it because it was my favorite radio station and it was a glamorous job and I loved it or I thought I did. Um, And then I was laid off. And so that sort of sent me down this path of, I'm going to start my own business. So I I started consulting 
And I took contract jobs initially and worked with organizations and started working with an organization that, again, wasn't really aligned with my values. And so there was a theme that kept, you know, coming up for me. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. And that sort of changed everything for me because I was really sort of looking at, you know, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want my legacy to be? And so that led me to this path of really wanting to discover my purpose and my why. And so I I went down that rabbit hole and started reading books and taking courses and talking to people and and went through this process for myself and ended up um, launching my social enterprise, which is called My Founder Story. And it is a platform that is dedicated to helping women. It provides tools and guidance for female business founders, helping them clarify and communicate their purpose with confidence. So that is where I'm at now. Wow. What a story. Oh my gosh. Okay. So a few questions I want to ask about this, but so the the cancer diagnosis, is that the catalyst for the book for the whole, what you're doing now? I was thinking when, um, before we were talking about the pivot, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, your podcast is about the pivot. And I was thinking, we didn't have one pivot per se. I had, I think, a sort of a series of pivots that maybe were partial pivots and led to a full pivot. But I think, you know, as I said, there were those parts of me when I worked in radio that were sort of like, I don't think this is right for me. But for some reason, I stayed. And I think that's common. I mean, it was a good job. And had good benefits and there was a lot of reasons I stayed. And actually my dad had passed away as well. And so I think those two big events for me were really the catalyst for, I meant for something more, right? I want to do something, you know, more with my life. I want to make a difference. I want to have an impact. So that really was, I think, a big part of, of leading me down the path that I'm on now. Yeah, I think every pivoter listening right now can identify with staying in a role or at a job or with a client a little too long because of the combination of income, benefits, perks. You said glamorous, what that role looks like to an outsider. It can keep us tied into something that really isn't meant for us. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting to me. I'm curious if there's a correlation. So you started consulting and and you were with some, uh, you know, someone, an outfit, a project that wasn't aligned with you. And you came from the radio industry and did some things that weren't aligned with you. Where did the idea of doing this type of work now that is completely aligned with you, where did that come from? Well, where it came from was, first of all, in radio, I did have the opportunity because public broadcasting companies are required to meet certain, you know, regulations with the FCC where they're providing a service to the public. And so when you hear public service announcements and special events and things like that, at the time, I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time, there were requirements that radio stations had to meet in order to keep their broadcasting license. And so we did a lot of events for charity. The station that I, radio station I worked for was a music station. We did a CD for charity. So there were elements of that job that I was really connected to. And I, and I knew that those were the projects that made me feel really good. And so I did have some sort of sense of like, here's what makes me feel good. Here's what, you know, I am aligned with. And so when I had that consulting gig that I talked about that wasn't aligned with my values, I already sort of had identified these are, this is why it's not working for me. And so then I started working with another client, a women's business 
Development Center, and so in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And that organization was a nonprofit, is a nonprofit dedicated to just supporting women in starting and growing small businesses. And once I started working with that organization, that's when I was like, this is it for me. Like everything just sort of came together for me. Like the ability to use my strengths and my skills to support women in, you know, growing their and starting their businesses just really made my heart sing. And so I knew that that was, that was it. And so I also knew that I wanted, there was more that I wanted to do than that organization could do. Right. And so, and so that's kind of what led me to say, okay, what would I do if I was doing this myself and to launch my own business? Sure. And just to pull on that thread a little bit, was it just you were exposed to this, exposed to this organization and you're like, oh, this really lights me on fire. I want to do this. Or did you draw on any other personal experience or other things that you've seen maybe in the corporate world that you're like, oh, this is an issue that really needs to be addressed? Yeah. Well, I learned the numbers, right? So <laughs> yeah, what happens they're, they're when, you work for, when you work for a, yeah, when you work for a nonprofit that, you know, really is, is, digging into that and researching the the numbers about women in business that you know was I was that was the first time I was really truly exposed to that information and so women business owners are really fueling the US economy there's 13 million women owned businesses in the United States they employ over 9 million people they they contribute i think it's 1.9 trillion dollars in revenue to the economy and yet women-owned businesses receive less than 3% of venture capital, and they receive less than 25% of bank loans. I don't; Those numbers may have changed now, but still, less than 25% of bank loans was the last number I had read. And on average, women receive smaller loans and, and less favorable terms than men, and not because they have bad credit. <laughs> it's just because banks, you know, and those systems are male driven systems right and so so i think once you get into that data and it just made me mad it's sort of like and being a feminist and sort of like wait what is going on here and so i really dug into when i was at that economic development agency what is it that is holding what is the, is there something that i can do that could help women immediately you know sort of flip that around and so as a, my career had been in communications and as a communicator, I thought there's something about confidence. There's something about telling your story. And I witnessed it firsthand at that agency. And so that really was sort of the birth of developing a way for people to get really clear on their why. And then how are they share, how are they telling that story and sharing with, with the world? And then I knew that the, there was data that supported the ability to confidently communicate your purpose and impact does set you up for success. And there was data that supported that. So that was sort of how that, yeah. Yeah. So I want, I want to get into the book here in a second. I want to get into it and then talk about who it's for, but I, I want to ask something, Chris, there's something interesting that you said. So when you were talking about the, the Delta and it is staggering about the VC funding and loans and, and we know there's a huge pay difference. There's a, there's a lot of factors at play there. You mentioned systemic factors. I just want to make sure that, do we tackle the individual factors as well? And so maybe I should give a little bit more con context to that, like negotiating, asking for more, 
that, that piece of it. I want to make sure that we tackle that piece, uh, maybe just from my lens, but I know having hired both genders and having been exposed to lots of small business owners, there is a difference. And so when I look at the impact I want to have on business owners, in particular female business owners, the first thing I say is we got to negotiate and we got to negotiate hard. And so is the focus mostly on the systemic issues or do we look at both of those? We need to look at both for sure. I think, and there are so many things that are kind of wrapped up in that, right? So, so for me, it's about what can I, I want to help women have the most immediate impact, right? And so for me, having worked in that organization, I learned that the most immediate thing that you could do to help yourself is to get really clear on your values and your purpose and your impact that your business has and how you're communicating that to potential investors. So, so that for me was, that was the thing that I think is at the foundation of it all. Cause I, I believe that once you know what your purpose is and you can confidently tell others what your purpose is, it becomes the foundation for everything. And so that's kind of the things that I tackle in my, in the book and in my workshops. But what you're saying is, is a great point. Like there are many things, negotiation. I think that confidence piece comes from, you know, fully knowing what you, what's important to you and being able to tell others that, and you're not just, you're not just making up something, right. You're not just using some bullet points that someone that a communicate that a communications person came up with for you, right. Or a PR person, you're actually building on something that came from who you are, what you believe in your strengths, your values, your personality, all of those things. And so it's not difficult to talk about when it's real. It's it's not just, you know, sort of bullet points on the page. Oh, that's such a good point. It's not difficult to talk about when it's real. And and connecting someone to their why, why it's important to them and why it's important to everyone else as well is is so critical. Chris, tell us who this book is for. Well, so the book is specifically for women. But anyone, I've also done workshops for, you know, both genders, but it really is, anyone can use it, but it was written for women-owned, women business owners who are mission-driven. So you might not know what your why is, but you know that you're driven by something greater than you and, and greater than, I mean, we're all just to level set, like we're all in business to make money, right? And so if we, if we say, like, I'm not trying to say like, oh, you have to have a, a business that in order, order to be purpose-driven, you're not going to make any money. That's not the case at all. We're all in business to make money. But I'm talking about women who are, are particularly driven by more than money, right? So the ability to give back to their community, the ability to serve a higher purpose, whatever that is for them. And it, it can show up in a lot of different ways. It can be a business that gives back. It can be a business that where the staff volunteers. It can be, there's a lot of different ways you can you can be purpose-driven. But the book is specifically for women who want to get clear on their purpose and then build their business around it. And so it takes you through the process of clarifying your why and then writing your brand story. And then it also shares the stories of more than 30 female-founded brands that are all purpose-driven. So there's some inspiration there as you're going through as examples. Yeah, that's amazing. It's 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 so I love that there's so many stories from female founders because what we're looking for is some likeness between our story and someone else's. And the second we find that we're like, "Oh, it is possible for me." Those stories are just such powerful teaching tools. Exactly. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love this idea of the 
mission driven. I, I kind of laughed because in my consulting business, one of our principles is contribution focused that you can only work with contribution focused businesses. So very similar idea, but for years I worked with large business that was a little bit different focused. And since I made a pivot about five years ago, similar, it's okay. They have to meet these criteria before we, we partner with them. So very similar point. I, I also read that you sometimes share outrageous moments from your radio career and how those moments tested your values. I did in the book. I did. So I worked at two different radio stations in the 12 years that I was in radio. And one of them was a hip hop radio station. And I actually had to transport a gun during one of the hip hop performances. And there were lots of things where in the moment I was sort of like, you just do it because you're working and it like happens and you deal with it. And then you look at it after the fact and go, what just happened? Like, and you know, why was I expected to do that for my job? And so there were just, there are those moments that are really kind of unbelievable, but happened a lot actually. And so I share some of those moments in the book as well. I bet. I bet. So we talked about your pivot point. We talked about that you had lots of pivots, but when did you know that you needed to write this book? Was there a moment? Was there an experience, an exchange, a conversation where you're like, oh, this is what I need to do? Yeah. Well, it was really pandemic driven because I launched my founder story in 2018. And when I launched, we launched in-person workshops. So we were doing biography workshops with women in person. And we were, I was doing also doing some online coaching, but mostly the workshops, they really have the most impact when you can meet in person, which is, you know, similar to a lot of things, right? But so we were doing workshops for 2018 and 2019, and then the pandemic hit in 2020. And so I was sort of like, okay, do I bring them completely online? What do I do? So I did, I did bring workshops online, but they weren't the same. I mean, the connections that women made with each other wasn't the same. You know, a lot of people would have their Zoom screens off, you know, and it's sort of like, wait, I want you to contribute, you know. And so I just really started thinking about, could I take all of this knowledge of the last couple of years of workshops and, you know, my own journey and put it into a book? And so, and I had more time because I had a couple of consulting clients who, you know, were tightening their belts and said, you know, we're going to have to, you know, back off on some of this work for now until we figure out what's happening with our own revenue. So I had more time. And so I just thought, well, I'm going to do it. So that really was the pivot for me was the pandemic was sort of like, how can I turn this into something bigger? Only 3% of speakers, podcasters, and authors make enough money to do it as a full-time career. 3%. Man, that's bad. I came from the big business world, and if I wanted to scale my speaking career and release courses, I knew I needed more than just case studies and metrics. I actually needed a personal brand. Brand Builders Group is a personal brand strategy firm for thought leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs, and they work with some of the biggest names. They help clarify your message, expand reach, and increase revenue while monetizing your personal brand. I still do their monthly consulting package, but I've also done their workshops, webinars. They're all great. Don't be part of the 97% who can't afford to do the work they love full time. Connect with the same team I hired to help me. Check them out at pivot-me.com backslash partners and get on their schedule for a free call. So when you're connecting people to their why, what's your why? 
Well, my why is supporting women-owned businesses in confidently communicating their purpose and impact. And so there's an exercise we do called the tiny why statement. Because what what we typically do to connect folks with their why is we look at their values. So we do a values exercise where we we call it your, your values in action. So one of the ways you can, because it's, it's really, I don't know if you do stuff with values in your consulting work, but one of the things that's really tricky is just giving someone a list of values and saying, hey, circle all the values that, you know, represent you on the sheet, right? And so, which is how we kind of started was like, but a lot of folks don't know. I mean, it's like you could, some are aspirational, right? Like you want to be a certain way or you want to, you know, see yourself in a certain way. So we developed this activity called Your Values in Action. And we looked at where people were spending money because where you spend money is really a great way to see how your values are showing up. Absolutely. Chris, say that one more time because that's so important. Where you spend money is a really great indicator of your values. Um, because, I mean, especially today, I mean, today more than ever, right? Because a brand might not share your political affiliation. It might have a political affiliation that you don't agree with. It, they might have business practices you don't agree with. There are lots of things that we know about brands. Their founder, we might hate the founder, right? <laughs> Whatever that case is, we t- choose not to support those businesses because of that. Or we might be conflicted. Like we might say, oh, I'm going to shop here, but I really can't because I need this. It's, you know, it's, I, had a, uh, it's, I had a friend just go through that over the weekend. She's like, I had to get this craft project. I really didn't want to go to this particular store. I feel really conflicted. I felt like I needed to make a donation in the opposite direction after I bought my craft supplies there. Exactly. That's exactly right. Because a lot of times we can like, so the exercise, we don't start out by saying like, what stores do you shop with that align with your values? Because people can't, don't, we don't think that way as humans. So we say, what brands are you conflicted about? And what brands do you not support? because of your values, because people tend to, that's more, a more passionate thing for a lot of folks. So, so anyway, we come up with this, like, where are your, what are the organizations that are aligned or not aligned? And what are the values specifically attached to that? So that's how we really dig into values in the workshop. And then, so we'd get to the end of the workshop and inevitably there'd be someone who'd say, if I just tell you my business, will you tell me my why? And it doesn't really work that way, right? It's like, well, this is yours to discover. So so I came up with this activity that's called the tiny why statement. And what we do is we we basically combine a power verb. So a power verb is a verb that really indicates um, action, like empower or, I mean, even support, educate, you know, things like that. So you come up with a power verb that, and I've got a list of 20, right? But you come up with a power verb that feels really a closely aligned with what you, how you want to deliver your work. And then you attach it to your, what I call an ideal customer, or ideal client. And so just by connecting a power verb with an ideal customer, you've come up with a tiny why statement. So for example, I just told you that my why statement was supporting women-owned businesses and confidently commuting their purpose and impact. So a tiny version of that would just be, I support women-owned businesses. So, and then what you do is you add an impact statement onto that. But me saying I support women-owned businesses as a tiny why statement is something I can remember. It's something that will always roll off my tongue. 
it's something I can be confident about, right? So if I'm talking to someone on the street or in an elevator or whatever, I can I can do that. And then adding that impact statement on the end will kind of, it, it talks about like, here's the work I'm really doing and the impact it's having in the world. So if I say my whole why statement, it's I support women-owned businesses and confidently communicating their purpose and impact, setting them up for entrepreneurial success. So that's my why statement. So that's those are the exercises that we do in the workshops. And those are the sort of the exercises that uh, are in the workbook as well. I love it. I love that there's a workbook too. I'm a sucker for a workbook. It's funny as you're talking, Chris, I'm thinking of my own. I don't know if you can see behind, we have a, our logo and, and underneath it is educate, elevate and execute. And I was like, okay, these are, these are power verbs. And, and the one that resonates strongest in there for me is execute. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Just so many people have wonderful ideas and so much education, but they miss the last piece, which is execute, execute on what needs to get done. So I love this exercise. I'm thinking I need to, I need to go through this myself. Cause I started to write out mine. I was like, oh, this is, this is great, Chris. I love that you're giving people clarity on this. And ultimately, once we have clarity, then we can go out and actually execute on the things that we're, we're meant to do and we're passionate about. That's exactly right. And also, it, it becomes a North Star for us, right? So then when we get off track, right, when we're feeling like, I don't know if I want to be doing this, or am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Or when we face difficult times, like a pandemic or whatever, then, you know, we have something to look at as a North Star. It's like, it kind of gets you, it pulls you back. It gets you back on track when you're off track. That's so true. It's funny because I, I talk about it in terms of it being sort of a decision filter. And then when you're faced with an opportunity, a client, a situation, you kind of run it through this decision filter, same idea, North Star. And I think for a lot of people, the pandemic really, you either doubled down on what you were doing or you pivoted. And it, it's interesting to talk to people. So many of the clients that I work with, the business owners, myself included, we are more passionate about our business today, having gone through the pandemic than before, because it really highlighted, oh, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And then you saw a lot of people pivot where they're like, all right, is this really what I'm meant to do? Exactly. That's exactly right. I think, and it's a perfect example of a, you know, of a big moment, right? Where you're, where you were faced with like, you know, am I doing something that's truly aligned with my values? And also, I mean, the pandemic also re- sort of exposed us to the idea that like some businesses just couldn't be sustained <laughs> without the things we never thought of. Right. And so then it's sort of like knowing your why in those moments is like, okay, now how can I take this, this North star or this why and pivot to something else that, you know, is maybe, you know, st- still aligned, maybe even more aligned with what I want to be doing. As you're talking, Chris, I'm thinking about this Brene Brown quote that says, middle age is when life grabs you by the collar and says, hey, I'm not effing around, right? I'm, I'm avoiding the F word, not because I don't enjoy its colorfulness, but because then it gives us an explicit rating. But I feel like the pandemic did the same thing for us. The pandemic was that grabbing us by the collar, like, and going, hey, is this it? Is this what you wanted to be doing with your life? Because it's not promised. Right. I mean, for me, so I've, I've made this analogy with and having conversations with friends because I'm a cancer survivor. I've now been cancer free for 12 years, but Woo! when I was going, I know it's a great thing. But when I was going through that, I had a whole year where I basically couldn't leave the house. I had to stay away from people who weren't sick or who weren't well, you know, because I had a chance, I was going through chemo and I had a chance I could get sick. And going through the pandemic and being on lockdown was like a repeat of that. And I realized that for me, it was the second year of of having been through something like that in my life where it's sort of like, you know, I'm kind of housebound and all that. 
but for so many people, that was the first time they ever experienced anything like that. And I just was sort of like, wow, they're experiencing what I experienced, which I mean, really not everyone gets cancer, thank God, but it's sort of like you wouldn't know sort of that challenge or the adversity you've gone through unless the pandemic pushed you through that, which it was a bigger, more collective experience, right? Than just one person getting cancer. But to me, it was sort of like, now everyone gets to experience what it's like to not and in my mind, it's like, well, now everyone's going to be empathetic. That didn't exactly happen. But, <laughs> I thought the same thing. Know. We're all going to pull together as humanity. <laughs> oh, wait. No, that's not. Yeah. I mean, that was sort of the Pollyanna way of looking at it, I guess, in the, in the early days. But it really is interesting to think about how those big cancer was my big moment that made me pivot. For a lot of people, it will be the pandemic or something, you know, obviously something else. There's other things too, obviously death and being fired from a job or laid off. There's a lot of things that can cause that. But I think the pandemic was just sort of that big thing. Yeah. And when we talk about pivots, where we say they can be ones that we chose, like I did something, I burned the boats, I quit my job, I started a business, or they can be forced upon us like a pandemic, like a car accident. Chris, I'm curious, having gone through essentially this forced isolation now twice, when the pandemic hit, did you feel like you had the tools in your tool belt? Like I've already been through something like this before I got this, or was it kind of like almost like PTSD, like, oh my God, I've gone through this. How can I possibly go through this kind of isolation again? I think maybe a combination of both, if that's possible, because I think because politically so much was going on that was causing a lot of turmoil for me. I think there's a lot of, I mean, in addition to the pandemic, it felt like this idea of what we just talked about that I thought everyone was going to be empathetic and it didn't turn out to be that way. Like some people were just like, you know, I'm not going to wear a mask or I'm not going to get vaccinated or whatever, you know? And so I think for me, it ended up like, it, it felt like initially, I think that, oh, I thought I got this, like, I can do this. I can work from home. I can get this figured out. But then I, I, so much stuff was happening at that time that there were times where I was like, it, it felt worse, honestly, to me than going through cancer. Cause I think going through cancer, I was just sort of like on this track, getting better. And I was, I, I was not in control, but I was in control. You know what I mean? It was sort of like all whatever my, I decided my body was deciding, but at least for me, it was sort of like, I get to decide if I'm going to, you know, have this surgery and have these, all these things. And I think the pandemic felt like I wasn't, no, I was in control of nothing. Yeah. Like it was kind of happening to us at first. For sure. That was one of the hardest things to talk talk people through clients and even as a podcast host is how do you help people navigate this? What piece can you do to help people navigate so much uncertainty? And where we landed as an organization was have people truly focus on the things that they do have control over. There are things that are outside of your control and we want to, you know, do our due diligence, you know, do what we can to mitigate the risk, but then ultimately, okay, what can we focus on? What can we control and really put the majority of our energy and push into those things? Cause the second we start getting our, our focus on the things we, that we cannot control, we start to spin. We start to go to a bad place. Exactly. And I think that's why the book for me was such a great thing. It was sort of like, I can focus my energy on writing this book and knowing that this will help people. And so it was in many ways sort of that happy distraction, right? Of like, I can control this. I can write this. I can sit down every day and make sure I write a chapter and all of those things. I'm going to read a note that I've got here in front of me. Number one, it says, I took control of my life and my goals and made them happen. Number two is focus. 
I didn't have a clue what focus was. Number three says, I'm really thriving with weekly accountability and a team to help. These are just some of the feedback we've received from our weekly mastermind calls. We've been running them for years. They have been so powerful, so impactful, and they've all been full, but we finally opened a new time slot with live coaching with me and eight other awesome people once a week. They will get to know you. I will get to know you, and we will all be pooling for your success. Hop over to pivot-me.com backslash mastermind, answer those four questions and get on a call with me. Come on over. Your team is waiting for you. Let's do this together. So if someone was going to read one story, what's the story in the book that you're like, oh man, people have got to read this. I'm sure that they're all good, but there's got to be one that stands out that you're like, this is the one that everybody needs to know about. Gosh. Okay. That is a good question. (laughs) Of the 30 founders. That's a really good question. Oh my God. You know what? The stories I really love are the ones. So a couple of the stories, I think four of the stories uh, in the book are, were written by the founders themselves. They attended workshops and they wrote the stories themselves. And there are a few of those stories that I think are just really powerful because they came from the founders themselves. So Carrie Bischoff is one. She's actually strengths coach and she had a really sort of gut-wrenching experience when she was in the corporate world because she was getting older and her boss was, and she had announced her resignation and her boss was sort of like, you're too old. What You'll never make what you make here. And it was sort of like really gut-wrenching. So I love her story because she was just so honest and in her story. And I think that's one of the things that is really great about biography too, is that it's not the idea about a biography is that it's not intended to be bright and shiny marketing language. It's intended to be raw and real. And so like, if you think about, you know, Brene Brown and being vulnerable, the idea of a biography is to be vulnerable and to be yourself because that is what's going to connect you to other people and not the bright and shiny rainbows and puppy dog marketing language that we're so used to, to talking about when we tell our story. For sure. We get admired for those things, those wins and those shiny moments, but people don't identify with those. And if you really want to move people, you have to show them the behind the scenes. Exactly. Oh, that's, that's so good. I love, I love this. As soon as you said the story, I'm like, oh, I want to read the story. This sounds, um, I know a few clients that would absolutely love to read that story as well. Just and encouraging the vulnerability. There can be this tension between if you're in the corporate world expressing vulnerability versus when you're in an entrepreneur, you have a lot more latitude, I would say. And so I'm curious if that's tackled at all in the book. I'm a firm believer that even in the corporate world, you should be vulnerable. I mean, and that's just, that's just me. I realize that as a sort of society, we've been taught to, from the time we start college, we're, we're conditioned to talk about data, you know, our grade point average, our, you know, when we graduated, like it's all sort of facts and it's not our story. Right. And so we've been conditioned to talk that way and tell our story that way. But I think there's room for everybody, even in corporate America to tell their real story. And so it's, I know, I realize that I'm saying that I'm also saying, you know, you would never put on your resume. I was laid off twice because you, you might not want to lead with that. But what I'm suggesting is that um, it, everyone's had an issue with a job, you know, we're all human. I mean, I don't know anyone. I, most people I know have had some kind of issue with a job, right? Like 
I'm suggesting that if you're real and raw about it, that is going to go a lot further and make you a lot more memorable (laughs) to people than if you just try to write the standard resume or bio that everyone else is writing, which is sort of like, I went to college, I got a degree in this, and I, you know, I did this. There's nothing that makes you stand out, you know? I mean, there's a million other people who are, who have done, had a similar career experience or education experience. It's those spaces in between that really make you stand out and make you you. So I'm suggesting that even in corporate, there's room for us to to share more of that and be more vulnerable. I love it. I love it. The book does is, again, specifically for business owners, but I have done some adapted workshops for folks in the corporate world. Where can pivoters find you? If they want to connect with you and learn more about biography and the workshops that are you doing that you're doing, where can they connect with you? We are online at myfounderstory.com and we're on Instagram and Facebook at myfounderstory as well. Perfect. We will put it in the show notes also. Um, So two last questions for you. One is, if you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? I would say, do find your why. (laughs) Because when we don't, we, we get tripped up. We struggle because we haven't found work that fulfills us. And I think work that fulfills us is directly connected to your why. So if I could tell people one thing, I'd say, find it, find your why. It's sort of the foundation for everything. And if you want to know how, you've got to connect with Chris and read her book and find out about her workshops. That's, that's one way to find it. So what's next for you, Chris? What lays ahead? Uh, well, I actually have some really exciting business partnership ahead, which is I'm in the process of launching a second company, a publishing company with a, a business partner. And that publishing company is dedicated solely to publishing women's books. So I'm super excited about that. We're we're launching our first book in November, and then we're fully launching the um, publishing company then as well. So I'm getting ready to do all that, which is super exciting. Much more, just a bunch of different expressions of your original why. Mm-hmm, exactly. Oh, okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Chris, thank you so much for spending your time today with, with Pivot Me and talking through both how you came to your why, where your pivots were, and then the book biography, who it's for. We'll definitely put the link for the book in the show notes as well, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, April. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. Okay. I was thinking real time, like I was working through this real time, what the tiny why exercise as Chris was talking. I immediately thought of pivot me's power verbs, which I did not realize were power verbs until Chris told me. And those are educate, elevate, execute. And when I looked at those, the strongest that one that stuck out for me was execute. I see so many people with great ideas, great potential, but it's the lack of execution that keeps them from being the powerhouse, the thought leader that they are meant to be. I'm going to work through Chris's tiny why exercise in her workbook. Also, I thought it was amazing in the interview when we stumbled upon the similarities for many that the pandemic and this Brene Brown quote, which I which I real time slaughtered, but I'm going to quote to you correctly now. Brene Brown says, midlife, when the universe grabs your shoulders and tells you I'm not effing around use the gifts you were given. I think many of us got that same message during the pandemic. This isn't dress rehearsal. This is it. This is our big shining moment. 
let's not squander it away in a series of, I'll get to it tomorrow's. As for today, if you are a female founder or if you are someone wanting to be more connected to your why or figure out what it is to begin with and leverage it for both your business and also just a feeling of fulfillment and contribution, go check out her book, Wiography, and the work they're doing at myfounderstory.com. Make it an awesome day. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.